Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. You guys realize what we could do? I don't want to go on any more of your crazy goonie adventures. Meet Mikey. I gotta go fast. Brand. Andy. Shame, shame. Oh, come on, Brand. Slip with the tongue. That's disgusting. No, I can't even look. Mouth. I got you. Now get out from behind her. You're ruining the painting. You're ruining my job. Stephanie. Data. Boy, Beto. Ow. Chunk. They call themselves the Goonies. They've stumbled onto a legend, but they're not alone. Chunk, I hope that was your stomach. No. Discover what they uncover. Rubies and emeralds and diamonds. The lost map. Oh, I started the tunnel. The secret caves. Treacherous traps. Hello, Sheriff. I'm at the Lighthouse Lounge. And I want to report oh, murder. Just like that last prank about all those little creatures that multiply when you throw water on them. Take the oath. Join the adventure. As Steven Spielberg presents The Goonies, a Richard Donner film. Hey, yo. Hello. Welcome to Movie Umbers. My name is Bob Sham. I'm Angela. And uh, Goonies never say die. <laughs> and the sounds you hear may be dogs. It is Comfort Food Month all November long. We're dealing with it in two ways. On Mondays, we talk about more nostalgic drops, drops from our ch- movies that meant a lot to us, at least at the time, and we're reevaluating them now to see how well they hold up. Movies from our childhood. Yes. And also, movies in which actors play people with intellectual disabilities. Yes. The other parts of the month. This movie covers both. Of course, Sloth. Is a man who, I guess they dropped him on his face, didn't they? Twice. They talk about that at the end, that she dropped him once or twice on his head. She was soothing him for a second, and then she said, she was singing Rockabye Baby. And when she gets to the part... When the bar breaks, the cradle will fall. <laughs> Break! You know, we've had some folks this month who, you know, ranging with the mentality of like a 5 to a 12, 13-year-old, where would you rank sludge? Uh, almost called him sludge. Sloth. You know, I don't think that, I don't think I can because I don't think he has yet reached his potential in this movie. I think he's been... He actually may be more like an X-Man, like an evolved human. 
Sure, but He's I just mean I think, I think he has the ability to learn a lot. I just don't think he's been taught anything. He's learned everything from television. Yeah, but he has a good heart, and he's in in um what's the word I'm trying not inventive, but he's um in intuitive in ingenuity. In he has ingenuity. He does. Listen. When he rode the he rode when he, he when rode he rode the, the cells down the cell like, Errol like Captain Flynn. Blood was uh, he was watching Captain Blood in his uh, cell in the basement. Was his that on cell, net? Was was that were they watching dungeon. like a were they watching like a video? No, they wouldn't put a VCR in the no, I mean, dungeon was, room in 1985. That's high in entertainment equipment. This back was then. the early 80s. It was probably just on television. He was he was watching it on. Afternoon television, Captain Blood. Yeah. So. We're talking about the Goonies. We're talking about the Goonies. Directed by Richard Donner from 1985. Our second Richard Donner. No, third Richard Donner movie. Third Richard Donner. As he directed Superman. And also we talked about his Donner cut of the Superman 2. Yes. Though two directors get credit for that. Richard Donner being one. Written by Chris Columbus and story by Steven Spielberg. Starring a whole mess of folks. And we'll try to remember all their names. Uh, Sean Astin is Mikey, right? Mm-hmm. Josh Brolin is Brand. Jeff Cohen is Chunk. Chunk would go on to be an entertainment lawyer. He's not an actor anymore. I actually know someone whose sister married him like mm. from a long ass time ago. Uh, Corey Feldman is Mouth. This K- is Pete Corey Feldman. K-Way Kwan is uh, Data. Carrie mm. Green is Andy. And we cannot remember Martha Plimpton's name. We'll call her Young Angela. <laughs> I, I did identify most with her. Anne Ramsey played Mrs. Fratelli, who's constantly beating and screaming at her sons, which is pretty funny. The Fratellis are insanely stupid. Yes. And they escape from prison, and they go hide out in this little shack, and they don't realize and that's over the start of a path to, like, a treasure. Yeah, they have no idea. They're sitting on top they of a treasure. No they idea. think they're just hiding look the goonies we all know we all know this movie we're not we're going to just talk about the things that stick out the most in our minds and probably stick out the most in your minds give you a little uh, fresh information on it perhaps but we're not going to go path by path like we're running like i'm the dungeon master running recapping the whole adventure uh the goonies has become multi-generational at this point there's something about it that has kind of maintained throughout pop culture especially the sloth chunk dynamic yes though i will say when we first met sloth and he was chained up uh i was i I was kind of surprised at how profoundly sad i was yeah because we know sloth he's he ain't the most handsome fellow but he's like the most pure-hearted in the whole movie right Mm -hmm. and so when you see him all chained up by his own family this is a lot so he's sloth for telly that's his name yeah wow wow that part is just horribly sad. When we meet folks, there's like Rube Goldberg machines involved. Like they need a Rube Goldberg machine to allow Chunk into Mikey's house. But also uh, he has to do the truffle shuffle, the, the infamous truffle shuffle. And I'm assuming, okay, Data. Yeah. K-Way Kwan. 
He did he set that Rube Goldberg he must contraption have, up because for them? it's all the stuff that he does. Like he at one point, um, I love when he. Uh, Oh shoot! He ziplines, he ziplines from his house, house to their house, so that he lives like next door. And so he ziplines, and they're yelling like, "Open the door! The screen door! The screen door!" And he like busts through. But he's always he's so inventive, but he's also it's always kind of going a little bit wrong. Yeah, yeah. And but he had to have built that. This neighborhood of Astoria, Oregon, at least this area, they call it the Goondocks. They are a gang called the Goonies. I'll. I wanted nothing more in my life but to be a Goonie when I was a kid. Like, I was upset. You you picked this for nostalgia, mm-hmm. but it it's as good as if I picked it as well. It does uh, linger strongly in my mind from my childhood. Like, it was just one of those movies you emulated. You'd bury something and you'd draw a map to find it. But I'm the only kid in my house, so I'm burying and finding the treasure. It was like like I couldn't. <laughs> like drop a piece of paper in front of my grandma and try to be like, what is this? Convince her to go find my treasure. Nah, she wasn't. She was. She had to watch Mama's Family. <laughs> she wasn't going to do all that shit. Yeah. But this. But there are things you catch as an adult that are like, what? This movie is definitely. You know, we're, we were the target audience at our age when we watched this when we were kids. And though by modern standards it might be a little scary, but I don't think it's any scarier than reality. Truly, but sure. But it's just a lot of the adventure elements are scary and the way it's shot with the leading up to the sloth stuff. Even as a kid, I remember until you connect with sloth and chunk together, mm-hmm. it sloth is scary until you get to that point. Well, and I think some of the stuff, how scary it really was, was over my head. You know, like watching it this time, you know, when they're at the bone, the gorgeous bone organ, and Andy, like, has to play all the right chords, every chord she gets awesome. wrong, part of the floor drops. It looks so cool. That's a, Dungeons, that and, moment, that's a Dungeons and Dragons puzzle, for sure. Totally. But in that moment, yeah. it, it now way more scared than I probably was when I was a kid. Because when you're a kid, you're like, oh, no. But now I'm like, they could actually die like if that actually happened you know like there's guns and stuff like it just didn't that part where uh the data falls and the pinchers of peril peril. up and he's like sprawling there's a lot of like kind of looney tune kind of old especially sense of humor with that when he opens his jacket and the punch the punch comes out and like hits the guy in the balls but this town is in peril or this neighborhood because all these houses are in foreclosure and Troy's dad, the richest guy in Astoria, Oregon, is going to expand his country club into a golf course where the Goondocks neighborhood is. Mm-hmm. And it's going to happen tomorrow. How the fuck does this work? I don't know. Like, is yeah. Troy's dad working for the government of Israel? Maybe he bought all their mortgage loans. Oh, yeah. Is he working for Israel? Is the country of Israel forcing these people out of their homes? Are they building settlements all around the goondocks in between these houses and isolating them almost as though it's an interior archipelago of houses surrounded by hostile forces? Is that what's happening here? Yeah, they're getting kicked out of their house. He bought their mortgage loans. Don't sell it to them, fools. Well, you're positing that maybe he spiked up the... Yeah, if he bought their mortgage loans, he could have spiked them. Because, you know, back then, there was not, like, 
But you would still have rules. to get them to. There's no logic here. No, there's not. But but in reality, if you were going to do it, you would have to somehow get in with the bank. I mean, it's corrupt. It would have to be corrupt. You'd either have to get in with the government or the bank and well, do something to like their taxes or their mortgage rates or something. It's insane. They or would have declare to declare the land like <laughs> not livable. You know, like there'd have to be something. But they posit it's that insane. all they need is. Money and and the fact that the rest of this town doesn't even come out in support of this neighborhood that's going to be bulldozed is. I think they want the country club. This town sucks. Also, everyone in this town is an idiot. Let's be honest. Yeah. The Mikey's dad. He works for the museum, but he can't fit. They don't have their own storage facility at the museum. I don't know what the museum shows. Northwestern pirate shit. But Mikey's dad. If if stuff can't fit in the museum, what does he do? Do he puts it in his attic? Centuries old artifacts are just in Mikey's attic the whole fucking time. What if over time his dad has just been stealing? I kind of like that better. Like he's like, I'm just gonna take this one home he's and clean sell it in it my in off the, time. No, I don't the think black, he's gonna clean it. Black market. I, mean, I, don't, I think he. I don't think he's gonna sell it. I think that he just wants it. He is Mikey's dad. Right? Yeah. So, like, it's the kind of thing you could see an adult Mikey doing, being like, you don't think this is cool enough to put in the exhibit? I'm just going to take it home, and I'll, like, look through it later. And then doesn't ever have time, because he's a dad who's worried about, like, the whole town taking his house. But but if that were, I mean, if he's stealing it, yes. Maybe not stealing, but, but maybe they don't realize how much he has. But there, are, <laughs> but there are people who curate these things, and they're like, no, you can't have this centuries-old piece of work in your attic. Like but someone if he's the step. boss of the museum, there's no one to step up. I think it's, it's the it's I think the it's town's nice that, history, and no one gives a shit. Obviously, because they're gonna tear out the. They town. don't give a fuck about this neighborhood he's in their the own town getting bulldozed for and a also, golf course. Their other parent, the other parents are doing nothing. Nobody's doing anything. Only Mikey's dad, but they're like, my dad's gonna figure it out. But then they drive by his dad at one point, and he's just like on a ladder. I don't know what he was doing. We swear we're gonna compliment this movie, but we gotta get some things off the top. She's trying to kind of help explain this, but I... it makes no sense. It's as though uh, the writer was like, uh, like it was written by a kid, and they were like, the the witch man, uh, he gonna buy the neighborhood. Here's the and deal. He gonna bulldoze the house, and they gotta save it. It sounded like you said the witch man. The witch man. Um, I have a speech. My child, this child character has, has a speech, speech impediment. impediment. I got you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. The witch man going to come to our neighborhood. Well, okay, here's the deal. It doesn't need to be explained because it is a movie about kids for kids, and that is about as well as we under- would have understood it when we were kids. I don't even know if I really understood. It didn't matter when like, we were I kids. I just knew that Troy's dad was bad, and I knew they were going to have to leave, and that Data was going to have to move to Detroit, and no one knew where the hell Detroit was. What mattered when we were kids was that bone organ was cool, um, the well thing. And they got to find the rich stuff. Data's got the gadgets. There's a fucking pirate ship. And sloth is actually cool. Mm-hmm. And, and that's uh, what matters to us as kids. Uh, James Brolin on a six-year-old's bike. Yeah, that too. I actually forgot about that scene. It's been so long since I've seen this. That, also, James Brolin's character could have legit died before he ever even got to the Fratellis. Yeah, the, it wouldn't have been a different movie if, like, he actually, like, you saw him fly into the woods and you never see him again. And then the mother meets the Goonies on the beach after they escape from the cove. And it's like, where's and your brother? And there's like, by the way, we found your brother dead. 
What a weird... That would have been a different movie. If this movie was made today... And Troy killed him. Someone would have at least hurt themselves. (laughs) Someone would have broken their arm. They would have had to bandage up a leg. Something would have happened. I don't know. We're not watching the kid movies. What are they doing, Shark Boy and Lava Girl, you know? I don't know. We're not watching those. I don't know. We're not. Um, But there's a lot of cutscenes from this movie, and I do want to touch base on a few of them. And there is one in which this is after Mikey finds the map in the attic, falling out the back of the picture. And there's this one cutscene where they're all in this convenience store, and like half the cast is in the store. And it's establishing these these relationships that everyone has with each other, including Troy. And a lot of it is like pretty much you didn't need to put it in the movie. But there was one part in that cutscene where Mikey... Uh, is comparing the map he found with an actual map of the town that he finds in the store, and he uses it to narrow down the location to where the treasure should be. That needed to be in the movie. Because it seems that, that if you put that in there, it would have made it much less vague because the way Mikey's tracking it down before is he's like, He'll, he'll walk out into the coast and be like, there's the three rocks, and you're looking at the scene, and I'm seeing like seven rocks, what? like, but also, they've just been riding their bikes, mm. and they just randomly stop and go, I think it's those three rocks. Yeah, and totally. And they're like, why did you like, even stop here? I, I'm literally like, which three rocks? I know. But he manages to, uh, he knows, he can identify what the what rocks they are based on the map and the location of which everything. Which is so smart. Which seems to be a little more, lends it to like the path that they go on a little yeah. more. Yeah. But they have that doubloon and they line it up with certain rocks and to figure out exactly where they need to go. But they realize they need to go to a fucking old restaurant and that re- old restaurant happens to be built right over the, the beginning of the path of mm-hmm. this, of this path to treasure. Yeah. There's another guy. What's his name? Cobblepot. This is Explorer. Copper pot. Copper pot. And they find Chester it. Copper pot. They find his body pretty early on into the trail when they get oh, in yeah, there. Oh yeah. He didn't get very far. He didn't get to the wishing well the 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 crew go ends up going into it's a weird scene where the fratelli mother is like trolling the kids even though she needs a they're hot they killed someone and they stored him in their freezer yeah 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 and and but it's a weird thing where she's just kind of like picking on these kids supposed to be water it's wet ain't it they're gonna blow your cover it just goes into like the ridiculousness of it like it does feel more Cartoony, or it's definitely much. Yeah, it's very, just very zany, jokey. Like zany. she brings them water, it's and it's word. like brown. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And mouth is always making some smartass comment about something, so yeah. he's kind of like the commentary going on. And Mikey's like the heart of it. Brand is the strong one. Andy's the whiny one. Martha Plimpton is the concerned one. The core chunk is the hungry one. Data's the smart one. You know, like it's just the core goonies are. uh the Sean Astin, Jeff Cohen, Corey Feldman, K-Way Kwan. Yeah. And then Josh Brolin, Carrie Green, and Martha Plimpton kind of jump in later. They're the high and, school kids. And Chunk gets separated and they feel, they get, they go into the path, but they kind of get stuck because the Fratellis are coming and going. Yeah. And Chunk gets caught after he's trapped in a freezer with the dead body, which he seems stuck and then just opens it, it just up. Just opens the door. Again, another very like, cartoony situation but they actually tell him like go to the cops and honestly if chunk wasn't a little liar 
Right. He might have gotten some help. Trump, but he called the cop, and the cop was like, "Doesn't believe you." Him. Always making up stuff. Chunk is like uh, the 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 town prankster. The kids don't even believe him. Like he'll call the police station and tell him tell him crazy things. Chunk's Chunk's kind of he's a real bad kid. This is the kind of kid that like maybe would fake his own death for a laugh or. Sure. He's going to do something that gets someone hurt. This chunk. Well, not now. I think Sloth. Now he's a changed. Sloth leveled him out. Person. He gave him a purpose. Yes. Because he's going to be taking care of Sloth for the rest of their lives. So the Fratellis very easily get Chunk to tell the whole thing. And they throw him into the room with their brother, Sloth. And that's how they, that's how we get the Sloth-Chunk dynamic. And they bond over chocolate. Yeah. Baby Ruth. And then Sloth breaks out. With his sad big man strength and freeze, uh, chunk and they become pretty fast friends. And so they're following the Fratell. They're, the Fratellis are between Sloth and Chunk and the Goonies. Yes. And we won't go into every bit of detail here, but we got, you know, we got the wishing wells where Corey Feldman takes his wish back. This one. This one right here. This was my dream, my wish. And it didn't come true. So I'm taking it back. Taking them all back. Maybe someone should wish to not lose your neighborhood. I think that's what it was. Oh, that was. I think that was. That's what I always have thought. This is my wish and it didn't happen. So I'm taking it back. And then when he dives into the water, I don't know. But when I was a kid, that was like really impactful to me. Yeah. Because it was like, oh, yeah. The yeah. Set- you don't always get what you want. The sets in this movie are fucking great. Like it's like the best part. The sets are gorgeous. The tone, the the atmosphere, the it way really feels like it evokes the sense of an adventure. Yeah, a lot of things don't make sense getting from A to B, but like once you're really into the groove of what's going on, it really is a, a really fun movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a part when they get started in which they're in the tunnel that's going through the town. And there's pipes and stuff that are all in the tunnel, mm-hmm. and they manipulate the pipes, and they're like, they're affecting things that are happening in buildings, they're popping things up into golf courses. But this implies that this path has already been discovered by plumbers or guys that dig for pipe. The area has been, but obviously whoever went down there just didn't like go off on any side trails and the wishing well everyone knows the wishing well is there they put that well up but that could no, have been there for a long but time. no well yeah no doubt but like no one thought like let's go down in this well because the trail just why would you go down in a well well i think you kind of have to understand the well to build around it you'd have to be able to yeah. know what's going on in it but i'm just saying it seems mm-hmm. like plenty of people this this is why this town is really stupid. Yeah. So maybe they did, maybe plumbers dug for this, laid some pipe, and they were like, I think I found that treasure route that we've all been hearing about as we were kids. And they decided to go, but they died on the treasure. Maybe, maybe. they didn't get past the bone organ. You know? Maybe they fell. Well, yeah. no one would have put it back up. No That's, one has ever gotten to the bone organ because the the it they got crushed be by the rocks. They got crushed by rocks. Then, well, the one person, the one skeleton that we saw was Copper Chester Pot. Copperpot. He's the one who got the farthest before them, and he didn't even get to the wishing well. One of my favorite parts, and also personally terrifying for me, is when they have to walk over the the like tree stump. Yeah, and um. Data does his uh, slick shoes. Yeah, yeah. And he like 
shoots oil and they're like, just come on. He's like, no, no, I got this. Cause he's so clever. And that's one of the times that his stuff just like works. Data is saving himself and this crew like at least three times over. Yes. And, um, yeah, Data is the most memorable. He Data was the coolest yeah, one. Yeah, he really was. I did connect with Mikey because I was asthmatic and he has an inhaler. Yeah. But I was really, in real life, more of a Mikey-chunk uh, hybrid. But to me, as a kid, Data was the coolest one. Yes. Because he had all this cool shit. Well, and and personally, I thought Mr. that... Mr. Gadget, essentially. Well, I thought that K-Way Kwan was one of the coolest people in the world because he was in Indiana Jones and the Goonies. I don't think I made that connection. You didn't? Oh, see, I did. As like, a kid, I, I don't think I did. Because that was my favorite Indiana Jones movie was The Temple of Doom. And yeah. I watched that one so much more than anything else. And the reason I liked it was because there was a kid in it. Yeah, yeah. You know, because my parents were watching that kind of stuff all the time. But that was what drew, drew me the most to it was because... There's this kid who's also in the Goonies. Like, I don't know. I just loved him. But, yeah. And I'm glad he's back They're now. up. They're up. Yeah. He was probably. I hope we see him a lot more. He was probably the best part of everything. We gave he it a, was the best part. We gave it a little bit above middling score. We weren't as hot on it as most people, no. but he was good in that. So the kids go on their romping adventure while the Fratellis are dumb as shit and getting their nuts racked from slick shoes. Get him punched with the boxing gloves that come out of his jacket. So there's the Rube Goldberg machine at the beginning. There's all the stuff that Data does. And then on top of that, there's all of the booby or booty traps that One-Eyed Willie has set. And, you know, this whole time, Mikey's, like, searching for the rich stuff, but he's also searching for Willie. Yeah. He's, like, so intrigued Because Willie's the first Willie. Goonie. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting, too, because when they do finally get to the ship and they find, he and he comes face-to-face with Willie, obviously there's, like, this touching moment where he's, like, talking to Willie and, like, you're the first Goonie and we're, like, the same and all of this. And he lifts up his patch and he sees that he really didn't have an eye. And yeah, yeah. so fucking yeah, cool. Yeah. They start to, like, grab stuff and he's, like, don't take the gold off the scales. That's for Willie. And whether or not he thought it might have been booby-trapped, it was almost like because he had so much reverence for Willie. He respected He respected him enough in the way that I guess Willie wanted to be respected that they didn't knock off the last final booby-trap. You got to respect the one-eyed Willie. And in the porn parody, Poonies... One-Eyed Willie plays a much larger role. This is a movie inherently about children, Bob. Not the porn parody. Okay. That's they're all legal in that one. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of great it's stuff. It's the adults trying to save the town. There's a lot of great stuff. That that part where they the pirate ship was also very a cool thing in my mind, seeing all that scene and seeing him meeting Willie. But when they first, the director, um, they made, he made sure that the kids did not see the pirate ship until it was time in their story to see it. They wanted their initial reactions to be like literal reactions. That's awesome. And apparently they maybe had to recut parts of the reaction because the instinct that the kids had when they turned around and saw it was to like yell things like, holy shit and stuff like that. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, when you stumble across an underground, an actual big-ass pirate ship, you'd probably be like, what the fuck, you know? Mm -hmm. Amazing. So that's kind of a fun story. But 
Um, you might remember uh, at the end when they're recounting some of their adventures, um, that Data says... The octopus was more scary. Oh, yeah, it was more dangerous. I always just thought he was making up something. There is a... Which didn't make any sense. There is a scene in which Mouth and Martha Plimpton... Martha Plimpton is upset at Mouth because something's touching her legs and she thinks it's him. And it turns out it's a giant octopus. And this is a part where Data saves the day again. And he he saves the day by going underwater. He starts a, a, a Walkman. He presses play on a Walkman. That's playing the song Eight Arms to Hold You by the Goon Squad. <laughs> And I remember noticing it in the credits and going like, "Yeah, I don't remember that. That would have been a perfect octopus there, thing." There's a whole video to this song that has like a, a stop motion octopus like all over it. So he shoves the Walkman while he's playing the tape into the beak mouth of the giant octopus. And the octopus just like with this song playing inside of it just kind of like backs up and backs off. And I don't think it would have hurt the movie to have much in it. But if you if that scene was in the movie, and you can go online and see the scene quite easily. If that scene was in the movie and you asked yourself, what was the fakest looking part of the movie? You probably would have said the octopus, mm. but I guess they just forgot to take out the line later where Data's like, man, that thing with the octopus or whatever he said about it. Well, the Fratellis catch up and they get the kids to jump off into the water and shit and then Sloth and Chunk show up. And this is quite funny where, well, Sloth, he rides down the cell like Errol Flynn. We talked about that, mm-hmm. but there's a part where the Sloth rips his shirt open to reveal a Superman shirt. Yeah. And then the Superman, I mean, Richard Don, that's a, the, uh, this is Richard Donner making this movie. And so that's when the Fratellis are like, we're in deep shit now, Francis. Oh, shit. He found a clean Superman shirt. So it's game fucking over. <laughs> I think they just realize in that moment that they know how strong he is and he doesn't need them. He has new friends and he has like, I think they're just scared that he could hurt them. They've been terrible to him. Yeah. Why shouldn't he hurt them? But you figured he would just do it anyway. But it wasn't until he whooped out the Superman shirt that they were like, I think we might be in trouble. (laughs) You know. So Sloth helps the kids escape in a sad moment where he tells uh, Chunk he loves them. Uh, The the Fratellis, they get snared in by the one-eyed Willie traps in there. And for, and so the whole thing, the cove starts to collapse and, and the ship is, it's a hole is breaking for the ship to sail through. And there's a shot where the Fratellis who they've taken over the ship and yeah, things are collapsing, but you figured they would go into the ship. But for some reason, they just, you see them stand on the plank and they fall into the water. Doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you're really paying attention, a lot of this movie doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, unless they just thought it was all going to fall on them, so they were trying to get away. But you would think they would have stayed with the gold no matter what. Yeah, yeah, try to figure that out. Out of their character to run from the gold. And rocks are hitting the ship, but ultimately we know by the end that it's fine because it sails out, and they, which is a really cool thing when you see the, the, the pirate ship sailing off into the bay. It is so cool, but then they're like, goodbye, Willie. And it's like, nah, get a boat. 
There's billions of dollars out there. Of course, somebody's getting that gold. Somebody's getting that gold. And they're all acting like, well, there's not shit. I mean, this is the dumbest town in America. Maybe that's the sequel. The the dumbest, most un, the unhelpful town. That would be a decent. Like, the boat was gone and they couldn't find it. So, yeah. they're older now and they're trying to hunt down the one. Where I, did the boat go? That's actually a, a decent outline for the sequel. So, the kids reunite with their parents. They're all there. And the, the, you, we can't get the kids to dry it up into safety. The dad has to finish signing over the fucking whole neighborhood. Cause it's the next it's, morning. It's down to the one dad to sign this whole thing over. But then, uh, Mikey realizes he has a bag of jewels that he forgot he filled. His little bag with jewels. The, like, housekeeper person that the mom hired to help them pack up the house the day before they were going to get evicted, uh, finds it. I'm assu- opens it, and then she runs. I'm, a, I'm assuming one jewel covers per house. It was, like, emeralds and rubies and diamonds. I, I don't know how much those are in and of themselves. It's, like, a handful. It looked like costume jewelry, know. you know, truly. But this is enough to save the neighborhood, and it's enough Forever. to... It's enough to convince everyone witnessing, including the rich guy, Troy's dad, who may or may not work for the IDF, to be like, damn, they bought this neighborhood. I almost made his dad sign the papers on the beach, which would have covered multiple houses. I don't know how he's signing away everybody for everything. When get I your mean, kids to safety first and get to like a table or something. Absolutely, and but also at the beginning when it We're was like, my dad's, this part. my dad's going to figure out something. He's going to save the town. I just still can't get over it. Like, he is a museum curator. He's yeah. not the mayor. He's not the sheriff. He's not even a lawyer. I, I think this is a real town, and it is the dumbest town in America. So if you're from Astoria, Oregon, I'm sorry, Goonies did not pay. You guys don't take care of each other. You fucking are... You don't... You, you just watch a fucking pirate ship full of gold just float off. You do nothing yeah. about it. Oh, and Get your shit together. apparently Sloth is just going to go live with Chuck's Chunk's family. He just decided. You're going to live with me now. Yeah, I'm going to take care of you. Because <laughs> I love you. Oh, I love you, Chuck. Oh, I love you, Sloth. <laughs> You're going to live oh, with me and now. Oh, M- and Mikey, who has an inhaler at the end, he's like, I don't need this anymore. And he throws the <laughs> inhaler and was like... Bro, you still have asthma. Yeah. All right. But adventure. Just because you had an adventure. Adventure cures asthma. You kissed a girl. Yeah. Adventure That's cures. That's a whole other dumb scene we don't have to get into. Yeah. Yeah. That was stupid. Um, but, but the, the sheer fun is still there. The, the, the sense of adventure is still there. The sets and all the stuff is like, it's still look. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a Goonie so fucking bad. I wanted to play on the bone organ, run around on a pirate ship. I would have just loved the fuck out of that. And I think a lot of kids of our generation felt the same way. Yeah. This is just one. If you ask kids of our generation, the older millennial, Gen X millennial crossover crowd, especially, you, you tell them the name, their top movies, and this is going to be in the top 10 somewhere guaranteed. Of, for, from their childhood? For most yes. kids. Yes. And it's still fun, but with adult eyes, you, you find yourself asking a lot of questions into the, conceit of the plots but the but the people involved knew that you know this is this is for kids to just soak in the adventure it's not for adults to be like that's not how that works oh no 
No, no, no. Though they did, dis- plumbers did discover this secret treasure route a long time ago. This town, or this town just dug open this thing and was like, well, I don't know what this tunnel's going to, but let's lay the pipe You here. know what this does, though? It follows that 80s trope of the kids know what they're doing and all the parents are stupid. That's true. It is a very 80s thing. I and mean, I don't even think my parents were questioning those kind of things when we were kids. I'm sure they weren't, they weren't thinking about it. You know, they were just glad that we were watching something and not bothering them. It's true. These are some dumbass adults all throughout the movie. All 80s, all the all the John Hughes stuff, like so many 80s movies are just about parents being not there. Yeah. Or stupid. Ferris Bueller, even all of it. So, fun to revisit this one. I did, uh, I did enjoy it to a degree. But uh, how do we think about it now? You're going to get one through five. I'm going to get one through five combined for best out of ten. Mm-hmm. What do you, looking back into your adult self, looking at the Goonies, taking it full on as a story, as a film, performances, yeah. where do you fall in the rating? I am going to give it a 3.75. Because I think it still is so good. And there were things that I picked up on that I never had before, which we're going to do with all these movies we haven't watched since we were kids, of course. But it it really, it is still magical. It is still scary. It's still wonderful. Oh, oh, a high point in 80s kids' adventure, no doubt. Absolutely. Combine this with Indiana Jones, and that was kids thinking about things in a whole different way and that kind of stuff and what we were into. And, yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a 3.5, just a .25 under you. I think that's still a good score. It's still yeah. It's still a, a solid movie and of its time and of its kind. But there is like, um, you know... There's just some certain some certain leaps you need to get there, and it's far from perfect, but it's still a good movie. Take a look at it. We'll put it above Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I do think it's a better movie than that one. Yes. Um. Yeah, The Goonies by Richard Donner, seven point two five. I think that's a a worthy score, worthy of a uh, a cult classic, a cult classic with a nineteen million dollar budget that made one hundred twenty five million dollars. Amazing. So, yeah, it worked. Amblin Entertainment on this piece. So, check the show notes for links to other places to find us. Comfort food all month long. What'd you think of the Goonies? We didn't go bit by bit. We didn't split hairs on this. You know this movie. But it was fun to revisit it. Uh, like, subscribe, leave a comment. Say whatever you want, so long as it's not, like, hateful or anything. And, uh, yeah, we love you forever, and we will talk to you very soon. It's Thanksgiving week, mm-hmm. and I got more to say about that this Wednesday. Life to all lovers. Try to make your your box look a little bit rugged.